founder of Girl Geek X, and this podcast brings you the best of Girl Geek dinners. We've been elevating women tech for over 10 years. Hi, I'm Sukrita, CTO of Girl Geek X. I'm Gretchen, COO of Girl Geek X. And I'm Rachel, the producer of this podcast. And today we'll be talking about communication. I think we have so many episodes and experiences where we miscommunicated, where there was um, a potential bias or a misstep that we made either as a manager or by expressing a political idea that communication is something that we often learn in our 2020 looking back, but not necessarily that we kind of plan for. Yeah. And it's also not just what you're saying, but how the image you're portraying and the message you're sending beyond just your words. That's super important and how, you know, your actions are being perceived. Nothing gets done without humans, right? No matter what it is that we think the work is, it's actually the humans that make everything go together. Uh, so obviously communication would be like fairly important to that whole thing. Has anyone ever experienced a miscommunication in the workplace? Yeah, I have. I was told that because I, was, I wasn't participating as much in meetings, people assumed that I didn't have strong opinions, um, especially like in technical discussions, if you don't say things or you don't contribute when, you know, people are typically talking over each other. I think it's just misunderstood to mean that you're not as competent. And so that's happened to me in the past. I've learned how to interject myself without like speaking over people, but it is definitely something I've experienced. Um, what about you, Angie? Have you gone through something like this? Yeah, I think communication to me oftentimes is a point that I've struggled with in large meetings where I'm trying to find my voice. And as someone who's more introverted and soft-spoken, trying to interject and say more robust things in a crowded room of people who are often yelling them much louder than myself requires um, some more strategy and um than I had expected and took a little bit of work to get used to being prepared to interject and raise my voice what feels like 10 times its normal um, range. So I am part of that normal conversation flow in the workplace. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start with all of the workplace <laughs> communication issues. I mean, I think, <laughs> you know, really early in my career, um, I sort of, I didn't really realize the human part enough. Like I thought the whole point was to get the job done. And I didn't really understand that the relationships were what were going to make me successful, not necessarily like any one individual task or project that I needed to get done. And so I think my communication style was very um, abrupt and to the point. It still is on some level, uh, but not as bad as it was. I know that seems impossible to anyone who's been working with me recently, <laughs> but um, it's definitely, you know, I think about the person first and the project second now. So, I mean, I broke a lot of glass early on in my career, a lot. I can totally relate. I, I really, really had a hard time. Actually, as a student, you're doing your project solo. <laughs> you're probably paired up with other people, but it's like a maximum of one or two people and each person has their own role. When you're working in like a corporate job or even in a startup, you have to know how to convince other people of your, your points and 
you know, your perspective and knowing how to speak to other people while also being able to listen to them or at least making them feel like you're at least listening is, is something that I, it took me a while before I learned that. Have you had experiences like this, Angie? Yeah, I had experiences definitely where I didn't realize that my face was like resting bitch face and I had to get feedback from people <laughs> who were like, you should maybe smile at me when we're having this conversation or you're asking me things like, oh, that's right. So I think there's always that impact versus intent aspect. Yeah, and I was told... Hey, I think resting bitch face is better than what I was told. I was told that I don't look confident just the way I stand. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> I wonder how you how you stand. I don't know. I guess I cowl. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just like, I feel like, you know, portraying confidence, but not coming across like a know-it-all. Like just striking all of that balance is so important and so difficult that I wish I'd been a little bit more exposed to this early in my career. I was thinking, you know, when you're when you first become a manager, you sort of think everyone needs to get used to you. Um, and then I think for me at least, like later in my career, and definitely like as you become manager of managers, thinking about how do I conform myself so that I can get the most out of each one of these individuals and what do each one of these individuals need from me to be more successful. And so I think that's like another way that you can sort of look at communication and how it changes and evolves. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot about just how effective you can be switching up your communication style when I was working with high schoolers mm. in my previous role at a youth media program, just having a different approach for each student, knowing like, oh, this person I need to be really direct with to get them to do this work. This other person like, oh, we need to start and just have a conversation about their day and how they're doing. And then we can get into the right. task at hand, just knowing yeah, how different ways of communicating with different people can actually get you better results from them. Yeah. And also with your managers, right? Like, I mean, I had one guy that I worked for and like, you could not directly challenge him, even in private, like you would just have to like work around the issue. Um, but if you went for a direct challenge, like he was a person who really thrived on conflict. And so he just really enjoyed a good debate. Maybe he would think that it was, but, um, it was just completely unproductive for me to ever go for a direct challenge. So working around it. That's so interesting. So part of being successful at communicating is understanding the other person's personality, it feels like. Yeah, understanding what buttons to push for positive or negative, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, knowing the language to speak in so that you're most heard. And what buttons you do push, right? Because like I push more buttons than I ever intend to with people. And I've just sort of like learned that over time of like, and usually it's like, oh, I put my finger on the hot plate and now it burned. And so I'm going to try to remember not to, you know, touch the stove again or use a different finger, whatever. So this is great that we've been talking about this because during our dinner with Quancast, Disha Gosalia shared a story about learning the importance of communication. Disha is a VP at Quancast and she talked about her experience with miscommunication in the workplace. There was another incident that was a, you know, a big learning point for me. I was in a really big meeting with um, you know, my colleagues, my boss was there, and my boss's boss was there, and we were, we were discussing this solution, in, in an implementation solution, it was a complex solution. Um, and the person presenting the solution you know, kept going on and on, and 
I didn't necessarily agree with that idea, but being who I was, I decided not to really, you know, call her out in front of everybody and, and decided to kind of go, you know, one-on-one -on -one later and, and talk to her about, you know, why I thought this was not a good idea. Um, but when I did that, she actually accused me of uh, being indecisive. She said, why did you agree with me in the first place? And I was really taken aback. I'm like, really? Did I even agree with you? Um, it, it actually gave me a, like, a couple of sleepless nights. Um, and at that point, what I didn't realize, which I realized a little later, was that it, you know, it wasn't that she was accusing me, it was that my lack of speaking up or lack of objection that meeting was actually taken as you know, agreement by her. And it was only because you know, we have had different ways of processing information. The way she processed was she would talk and think while she's talking, while how I processed was I would think and then talk. Like I would have these long, awkward pauses, but she would keep going on and on. And, and what I realized and actually learned through this process was, you know, I need to just find a pause and then ask clarifying questions, and that's kind of how I would better communicate with her. Have you done anything to take stock of your own communication style? So I had to go through this communication training where they give you a topic to talk about uh, or they make you pick one and they video record you and then they give you feedback and then they make you do that again and video record you again. So when I uh, did this training, I realized that I sometimes don't make eye contact with everybody. That makes people feel like you know, they can tune out really quickly. And it also makes people feel like you're not talking to them or you're not addressing what they just said. So things, little things like that that I learned made it easier for me to um, get better at convincing people of my point of view, because that's where I struggled the most, you know, my communication in meetings and sort of making sure that my point was heard. Did you all go through something like that too? For me, the thing I didn't learn till later, which was kind of a bummer, is that, it, you know, completely generalizing that it was like my experience the majority of the time is that I like to talk through a problem, like go through all of the angles and kind of just work something out. And that many of the men that I work with, they think if you're coming, then you're coming to make a decision. And so I'm still in information gathering mode and I just kind of want to talk through the thing. And they're like, okay, so then we've decided. It's like, no, at the end of this meeting, I'll have decided nothing. I'll have more information that I will go back and I'll process. And then I'll decide, like, I'm not asking you for a decision. And I think understanding and finding the people in the organization that I can sort of talk through a problem with without me feeling this pressure of like, we still don't have all the information. I'm not going to make a final call on something right now and leaving a meeting, you know, and this is like informal. This isn't like a whole bunch of people, but leaving a meeting without a final decision or output is fine um, on something that that's a really complex topic. I went to this one training before it was, since I've never worked in a bigger company, it was this um, training for people who were at uh, small and growth stage startups. And I realized the commonality between all of us who were in this training was that we were all extremely high achievers in our own domains. 
but almost to the risk of running over all our reports. So kind of going around in the group therapy, I felt like I was hearing people like why not understanding why people just weren't doing what they wanted. And then we had to kind of have a come to Jesus moment where we're like, okay, let's take this personality test and let's do this videotape exercise where we see ourselves talk to other people and hear this open, quick criticism about what's wrong with our communication style. And then there's like that come to Jesus moment of, okay, so in the moving forward, I need to practice my communication style to be X or Y so that I'm much more likely to get the desired result from my reports. So that also happened. I highly encourage people to seek out, even if you're not at a big company with these resources, those types of programs, they do exist. I've never heard of those. And like both of you have had them. <laughs> like I didn't even know such a thing existed before. I think, I think, you'll, I think you'll seek it out when you get feedback enough that you appear a certain way and you're like, how do I appear that way? <laughs> you're like, this is crazy. I need to figure this out. How can I, you know, get some sort of training or class or like something <laughs> to put a finger on it. Nisha also talks about like how she ended up sort of modifying her communication style, knowing who she was speaking to, um, especially because the person she is talking about has a completely different communication style from her. Um, what's like a good way for us or for our listeners to like understand the personalities or, or the styles of the people they're trying to communicate with? I think it's a good exercise to be mindful of everyone being completely different and kind of taking note of that and kind of taking the time to prepare before each encounter um, that you're going to be in this different scenario and perspective for the next hour or half an hour. We talked like about books in an earlier podcast and one that I found like super valuable was called The Loudest Duck. Um, And it is just sort of communicating with um, people from like with different styles and different, you know, heritage and how that can impact. But I think it took me to, I'd probably been a manager for like 10 years before I realized like not everyone wants to work the way that I do. Like it took me a really long time to understand that there are people who really like to be told what to do. They want to, they want like every step laid out for them. And I didn't, that just felt so ridiculous to me because I would hate to be managed that way. And so getting that awareness that like you're being the, like when you get good at being a manager, you can maybe think you're better than you are because you think, oh, I'm being the kind of manager that I would want. I would love to have me as a manager rather than with this particular person. Um, Are they a good manager for you? Or am I asking them to be more like me? Yeah, on that note, like understanding somebody else's personality to better improve one's communication has has really, really been most applicable for me when I've been trying to manage up, right? So when you manage up, you really, really want to understand what makes your manager tick, what makes them listen, what makes them perceive the way they do. And that adjustment period that I typically have with a with manager that I'm, you know, reporting to for the first time is when I do that assessment so that I know best how I can bring out the best in me and ensure that they are able to bring out the best in me too. I think 
this is this can be hard because sometimes you don't think about being mindful about someone else's communication style until you have experienced a miscommunication with them. <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, just making an effort to pay attention to people and how they approach their own work. So you have an idea of how they communicate before you get into a more sticky situation is definitely valuable. And also, yeah, like Gretchen said, just not assuming that everyone's approach is the same as yours and leading with that. In the past, we heard from Laura Thompson, a director of engineering at Mozilla, talk about her approach to communication during an engineering leadership panel. Try to encourage in my team a philosophy of communication that is kind, direct and prompt. Because I think particularly in the open source world, you have a place where people can be kind of jerks, right? Like they'll say, oh, my God, this code is terrible. Um, you know, and sometimes it need, you, you need to communicate that, but you don't need to communicate it in that way. Um, you know, you, also you can be too, you, you can go too far and be nice and not say anything, and that's not helpful. What you have to do is be kind by telling them, right, by sharing that with them, be direct, so say what you mean, and be prompt. Don't sort of think something and not get around to telling someone until it's too late for them to do anything about it. So. Mm. It's my philosophy. I liked how Laura talks about how being quiet can be a, a symptom of what Kim Scott in Radical Candor refers to as ruinous empathy, where you're so kindly and empathetic that you let people fail. And I think it's something that we are always working on um, to be more proactive in these crucial conversations and providing very quick feedback so that you're not giving someone a surprise at their like their review or even just by laying someone off later by saying they failed when they never gave them any actionable feedback in the first place. Yeah, when I was a new manager, I remember I wanted to be the opposite of all my bad managers. I want to give everybody feedback like right away. And while everyone says they want to hear feedback right away, when someone knows that they bombed in like a in a meeting or in a presentation, they don't want to be told right away that they bombed. They know it. <laughs> so with everything, I think there's a time and a place and a f the right phrasing when you give feedback to people. Just like how Ra Laura says, you know, you can't say your code sucks. You have to give appropriate feedback so that it's actionable and people can improve whether you are their manager or not. Super important. What do you think, Rachin? I think a really important thing in any communication style, even if you're more of an abrupt person or whatever it is, that you're, you use a style that's genuine to yourself because it can come across really disingenuous if you are a person who's generally very... I don't know, straightforward. And then all of a sudden you're like dancing around something because you're putting on your, I'm going to give feedback hat right now. And so I think the consistency is really important because you don't want someone who's telling you, you did a good job when you know that like they never say anything nice. And so they're just completely full of shit at that point. Um, but, and as a manager, making sure like for me, I'm very, very straightforward about everything. And I make sure that that's also in like, you know, when you tell somebody they did a good job and you can hear they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like stopping and being like, no, here's why that was really good. Here's the things that I liked. So then I make sure that I'm balancing it so that one, they get all of the feedback that they need. But two, and we have to have really large, like hard conversations that they know that I'm on their side. I'm always on their side. It's my job to make them successful. 
That's great. So like with every feedback that you give, you're direct, clear, and you give context so that it's easy to digest. Well, that's the dream. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I feel like it's also just, I can't be a beat around the bush kind of person. So if I adopt that style for only certain types of conversations, I don't think that I'm doing myself or that person any sort of a favor. Like I just kind of need to be me all the time. And obviously like adjusting for how the person needs or when the person needs to hear it, but that like not trying to be like put on, Oh, I'm going to put on my manager hat now and I'm going to use my manager voice and I'm going to get my manager talk. Like that I don't think works. It doesn't for me anyway. Right. I think for me, I try my best to like, think about it. How would I want to hear this feedback? Because you don't want to crush someone's soul. So you want to say it in a way that it's actionable. And that's the part that I had to learn over time. I, depending on who the person was, if it was a little bit, someone who's a little bit more sensitive, I would ask them, are you ready for some feedback? And then like always, they're like, yes, we want to hear it. Um, And then I like ask questions and how do you think this one, this thing went and how do you think you did here? And how do you think you could have been more effective? You know, that sort of thing leads me to then get to the feedback that I want to give without them shutting off right away when I'm being a little, like my style typically has been to be very, very to the point, which I found that not everybody was receptive to. So I had to modify that a bit. Um, How did you come up with your communication philosophy, Angie? Um, I think it's a kind of a combination of what Gretchen said about kind of making sure that your feedback is consistent with your authentic self. And also to your point, Sukruta, do I do think about a little bit about how I would like to take that feedback, but also try to imagine how that person would like to take that feedback because no one's the same. And so maybe asking them how they prefer to take feedback in a way that they are, they are more open to it and they don't have a like a knee jerk reaction and take it badly. Yeah. I know that I've always meant to take feedback deliberately, but not personally, but there are so many times I take it personally that um, I have to be very, very mindful of that when I give it, give feedback to other people too, whether they're my peers or they're people who report to me, I have to be very careful. Yeah. Because then the feedback becomes about you and not about the thing. About like, she's picking me apart or she's whatever, um, and really trying to think about. And I think your thing that you said earlier about with people, you know, are going to be more sensitive, like, like basically having them tell you what they think they could have, you know, what went wrong or what could be changed, but also making sure that you're always separating the person from the action. I had a boss really, really early on that was really great at that. Like I could screw up the worst thing and I would leave his office feeling bad about like the thing I messed up, but always like knowing that he had my best interest at heart. And so I like always tried to be him, right? Of like this thing happened. We don't need to go back through. The only thing we need to understand is how do we not do it again? Or how can it be more effective? Or what were the things that were missing or whatever, but not to like go back through stuff that can't be changed that isn't forward looking. So a long time ago, someone told me it's never people that make mistakes. It's process. It's the process that Mm -hmm. makes mistakes. Right. And so when you think about something that goes wrong and you're like, what caused that to happen? Taking the person out of it. um, It it helps me to think that way. And then when I'm like trying to give feedback or help the person get to that conclusion, I'm able to ask the right questions. I think that would then help them 
you know, self-assess without taking it too personally or getting defensive. So just keeping that in mind has really been helpful for me as well. But I remember once I got this feedback and it wasn't necessarily something from my boss. Well, it mostly came from my boss, but it was like you at one of our events, a customer or client said that you were not smelling green and with enough warmth that they expected. And I was like so shocked. I was like, wait, my face isn't that happy. And then I was just so angry at the circumstance. I didn't take it that personally, but I was also like, is it a gender bias thing? Because as a woman, people expect more warmth from women. So suddenly it's this expectation on me. And then I spent the next hour crying by accident because I was, I guess I had been a hormonal week. I think I remember that. <laughs> I No, but I got it. I got why you were upset because uh, like when someone is, is commenting or giving feedback or making quick judgments on something that was not intentional, it's very difficult to rationalize it. Right. So my boss is having me hand me tissues and be like, it's okay. I just want to give you this feedback. I'm like, I know it just sucks. And then I got over it. But it took like a day and wasn't too hurt. But I was like, whoa, my face needs to be much more on for something as simple as greeting someone at a registration desk. Sometimes it just feels silly, like that you have to do things like this, where you have to smile more and you have to like be more charming. But as women, right? In the yeah. world today, it's still a thing, unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, and then I think about what is it that I want when I walk into a room and I see other people? Do I want them happy and smiling? Do I want them to say, hi, how are you doing today? And like that sort of thing. And then... I feel like it's okay for me to do that. But if it's just being asked out of the blue that I'm not smiling enough um, or I'm not standing confidently, things like that, like I really have a hard time with. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion, like how much of that you should take on and make your responsibility if it really is about people's own biases that they're bringing. But just thinking about your objectives in communicating even if someone is wrong for the reasons why they're expecting a smile, if me not smiling means that they're not absorbing anything of what I'm trying to say, then is it still my job to try to fix that? I used to be told that I look really stressed in like certain situations. And then obviously that upset me because I was like, I don't think I look stressed. And so my my way of coping with that was I was like, I'm always looking happy. The few times that I don't look happy is when everyone notices and they assume that I'm stressed. So it's really like tough to adjust to a feedback like that. That's about communication beyond words, I would say. That's a good segue, actually, into our next quote. Minji Wong runs an organization called At Her Best. It does leadership development and coaching. And she spoke at our Elevate 2018 conference about self-awareness and ego. And this next section is what she had to say about nonverbal communication. You know, when we think about communication... Uh, 93% of it is nonverbal. So it's not even the words that I say, because most people think that that's communication. It's my body language. So 55% of it is how am I standing? Am I just totally just tired, low energy? Do I have my arms crossed, looking and appearing to be more closed off? Or am I open? Then 38% is the actual vocal tones. Am I super excited to be here? Or Am I super excited to be here? And then the actual 7% is, is the actual words itself. So my question to you is, again, how are you showing up in ways that you may not necessarily intend uh, with the impact that you actually have? 
I feel like Minji delivered that talk for me. (laughs) And actually, she did use me as one of her examples. She's like, you are so articulate and warm in emails and writing, but in person, you're so quiet and your voice doesn't have the same inflection and excitement that I know you have. So I think there is definitely some work to be done in terms of like coaching and self-improvement to meet expectations across the board on my part. But I feel like when Minji gave you that feedback, I felt very frustrated and like defensive of you, right? Of like protective of you, of like, you know, Angie is Angie and trying to tell her to be like a different person in the world when Angie's done pretty fucking well being who Angie is already, right? And so I don't know like how I would... Like, I felt that way about her giving you that feedback that, like, I don't think you need to be in your head worried about how you're coming across because I think it's pretty awesome. I think I can see both sides because I've gotten similar feedback and I also have sort of unintentionally wished people I've communicated with would sort of deliver their communication in a little bit, in a slightly different way. I only say this because when I was reporting to someone who was a little bit, you know, he would get straight to the point. He wouldn't sugarcoat anything. He wouldn't, you know, sort of prep me before like delivering not so great feedback. I kind of wished he would ease into it. This is not the same as what was told to you, Angie, but I do sometimes understand that this like, even though you might naturally be a certain way, people seem to want other people to be like warmer or like make them feel better for whatever reason. And while I'm not necessarily seeking that out from everyone, I need that from some people. So I think it's hard to like strike that balance for me, especially to be, be me and also be the person that people want me to be, because I'm obviously a different person with different people. I'm like totally different with my friends when I'm comfortable. I'm totally different when I'm at work and this is all natural. I'm not trying to put up a front. So again, that, that video recorded training that I did was really, really helpful for me to see what other people were talking about. And then I realized that that's not what I was thinking of myself inside. Like in my head, I was like smiling more. I was standing confidently, but then what was coming outwardly was not what I thought I was doing. And so just knowing that that realization in itself made it easier for me to accept feedback like that. I think what's helpful for me is framing it around results. So it's not as much I'm communicating because I know that this is how this person's going to feel comfortable or this is what they're expecting to hear. It's more like I'm trying to communicate these things for this reason. And this is the approach that's going to get me that result. That's something I experienced a lot of working with high schoolers because there was definitely one approach that felt more natural to me. Like, oh, if I relate to them this way, then we'll get along and we'll have fun and we'll be friends. But that wasn't as effective in terms of like, I'm coming here to teach them these specific things. I had to do a lot of work around the way that I stood and the way that I used my voice to get them to actually hear what I was saying. And even if it wasn't like the most fun for them all the time or what they were expecting in an after school program, just really thinking about the styles of verbal and nonverbal communication that really got us to what they needed to learn is the way that I thought about that. I'm curious, what is the style that you're adopting? I, yeah. 
Like, I literally called it my stern voice. Yeah, because when I started that job, I was 22, like only a few years older than a lot of the students that I was teaching. I just had this very like sweet, friendly approach. And my voice was just like nice and calm and gentle. And I kind of got like walked all over in the first couple months of doing that job. And especially when I got promoted to be the person leading that program, I really had to switch up my approach. My voice did become a lot more direct. I put a lot more base into it. And those tiny changes definitely saw a lot of results in the way that the students were approaching me and the way that they were approaching their work. How do you, I mean, I think for me, the biggest struggle is accepting that I should change, you know? That's why, that's why I focus on results. Cause it's like, I'm not changing my personality just because it's like, this is what people want me to do. I'm here for a specific reason. And this is what needs to happen for me to get to my goal in this situation. It's the same if you're walking into a meeting, you can say like, oh, I'm going to smile when I walk into this meeting so people know that I'm warm and approachable. Or you can think about this is the information that I'm trying to get across. And this is the way that I can say this and present myself so people know that I know what I'm talking about. They're in a place to receive what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's just a slightly different way to think about it. How did you perceive the feedback that was given to you about, you know, exhibiting the energy that comes through in your emails more in person? I thought it was really curious. I try to understand why and what the, like, as Rachel said, what is the impact and the results I wanted? And they, they often came at times when I didn't see the impact. Sure, some people didn't feel that I was warm and fuzzy in person, but that didn't really have too much of an impact on the results. I think where it's important is, for example, when we are at a girl geek dinner and we are, for example, bringing people together and doing the introduction. And I think we've done a pretty good job of being authoritative. And when Rachel was talking, I kept thinking about how teachers describe classroom management and bringing people together. And that in those moments, I think we do a good job. And I think that's what matters. And, uh, in the, the other moments of managing teams, managing projects, managing impact, all those things I've been happy with. So this is the occasional feedback and you'll always get that. You'll get the occasional errant tweets or feedback and you're like, okay, that was interesting. I'm going to just kind of move on since there's only so many things I can do within a day. Yeah, totally. I mean, feedback I've learned is someone's wish list. You know, <laughs> you decide if you want to make that wish list or not. Yes. And also since so many of our friends are turning into like consultants and coaches, I'm like, is this also like another bid for like having a therapist, having a business coach, having a professional coach? And I think that's another thing to keep in mind is, are you ready for that experience? Yeah, I think that feedback would be actionable if A, you were trying to fix something (laughs) that that would be directly applicable to, um, which in my case it was, right? Or you were actually seeking out any feedback. <laughs> if yeah, not. if you were hearing like, oh, I feel like the people who run this are not approachable, so I'm going to stop coming, then that would be one reason to have a conversation about your smile, but not if it's just someone's personal get opinion of how you seem different than the impression they got from an email. That's right. a good point. Yeah, so out of the thousands of encounters we have in a year, I'm like, okay, I'll take the two or three or four ones that were like curious and be like, all right, that's that's just the numbers. I don't think you've ever gotten feedback that people don't want to come to a girl geek dinner because you weren't smiling. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I feel like a little bit to, like, you know, Sukutha, you're talking about, you know, like a little bit more setup or like ease into something. And I like spend a lot of time communicating where I'm like forcing myself to go through that part where and and like or people like I hate small talk. I hate it so much. Like the first five minutes of a conference call, I just want to shoot. Like, can we just wait for everybody to get here and start talking about the thing or in writing emails? When I write internal business emails, I don't put anything in them other than exactly what I want to say about like when you're communicating externally, then you have to be like, oh, what can I say? Like, hope you have a good weekend or whatever. And it's just like, it's a waste of words. It's a waste of space. It drives me crazy. And I think, you know, my wish list would be that we could just cut out like what feels to me like stupid, pointless, small talk, but that like other people really need that. So they, they feel like you're a nice person. I've never been big on the small talk myself, but I had to learn to do that when I was managing people just so that they felt more comfortable telling me things, Mm -hmm. especially because I want them to tell me first if something's not working and not feel like they have to like escalate every little thing. And so asking people like, hey, how was your weekend? Like that used to like, oh my gosh, I could never do that before. And it's just, I've realized the importance of needing to do that because of what I get out of it. Yeah, I'm not saying don't get to know your team. Like I always really get to know my team as much as they want to be known um, and keep up and and like remember things like that, right? Like, oh, you said you were going to that show. How was it or whatever? Like to me, that's not small talk. There's like, I'm, I'm asking a question. I'm generally interested in the answer. Like the first five minutes of a conference call talking about the weather, like I don't care. Like we're just like filling time, right? Or saying, I hope you have a good mm-hmm. weekend to like someone you don't even know them. Like who cares what kind of weekend they have? They're not going to have a, I'm saying like, they're not going to have a bad weekend just because you didn't say have a good weekend, right? Like it's just empty words. I'm like, how are you? I'm fine, right? Like not a genuine, how are you? I, I think asking about weekends as small talk is fine. The weather is perfectly fine too. But like I was once in a workplace where people just talked about the Kardashians as their small talk all the time. And I was as someone who's never I'm watched sorry, Kardashians. Andrew, yeah, no, it's and I would love that. You might not like that, but like, we would love it. That's way better the than the weather. Is she talking about us? Like <laughs> when the entire workplace was bonding around like watching the Kardashians and having Kardashian viewing parties. I was like, what? Not meant for this life. <laughs> any last thoughts on communication absorb the feedback like at least listen to it and be open to it but only sort of internalize the parts that feel genuine you're not doing it just because someone said so right and I like the suggestion to like focus on the end result right Mm -hmm. like what is that gonna if you changed that one thing like what is that gonna result in so like focusing on that right I like what Rachel said about impact thinking about your impact at the end of the day making sure everything goes for that yeah know yourself and don't wait until there's a miscommunication to get to know others Thanks for listening to this episode of the Girl Geek X podcast. We'll be back soon with more advice from women in tech. This podcast was sponsored by Quantcast, a global leader in artificial intelligence technology. Quantcast is using machine learning to drive human learning to help brands grow in the AI era. This podcast is also sponsored by Mozilla, a global community of technologists, thinkers, and builders working together to keep the internet alive and accessible so people worldwide can be informed contributors and creators of the web. This podcast is produced by me, Rachel Jones. To learn more about Girl Geek X or buy tickets to our next dinner, 
visit girlgeek.io. You can also find video and full transcripts from these events there. If you're interested in hosting a Girl Geek dinner, contact sponsors at girlgeek.io.